Hey there, it's Mitch here. And before we get into today's episode, our spring membership drive has officially sprung and we've got one heck of a giveaway. When you make a donation in any amount to Vermont Public by March 16th, you'll be entered to win a new roof valued up to $15,000 thanks to Vermont Construction Company. Your support makes everything we do possible. Make a gift today so we can keep bringing you the trustworthy, reliable news you count on day in and day out. To make your gift, head to vermontpublic.org donate. And thanks. From Vermont Public, this is The Frequency. I'm Mitch Wertlieb. It's Wednesday, February 21st. And here are today's headlines. Governor Phil Scott is asking President Biden for a major disaster declaration to help seven counties recover from late December's flooding. If granted, this declaration would not make individuals eligible for federal help, but it would allow municipalities in Essex, Lamoille, Orange, Orleans, Rutland, Wyndham, and Windsor counties get partial FEMA reimbursements for the cost of debris removal, road and public building repairs, and staff overtime. The state's request also seeks hazard mitigation funding. Vermont Chief Recovery Officer Doug Farnham says those dollars will help the state plan ahead. The December storms, we know that those were were traumatizing for a number of people. Yes, the damage didn't end up being as uh, as bad as July, but it really did emphasize the need for us to focus on hazard mitigation and making it so that when the water, when the river rises, we're not looking at damages like this. Officials have tallied nearly $2 million in damage to public infrastructure from rainfall and flooding on December 18th and 19th. And before the winter flood struck, there was the historic flooding last summer. And it's now been about seven months since the July floods devastated many Vermont farms. That includes the New Farms for New Americans Gardens in Burlington. The program is part of the Association of Africans Living in Vermont and served about 80 refugee and immigrant households last year. Program manager Alicia Laramie says flooding washed away the food those families usually stored and eat during winter, and that brought significant pain and loss to the community. But Laramie also says people have handled the situation with grace. Some people also said, you know, we're used to stuff like this. This is this is our life. Like we have gone through tragedy and trauma and these acts of God, so to speak, before and This is what happens. New Farms for New Americans received aid in the form of grant money, donations, and culturally significant food shares. As for the upcoming growing season, Laramie says she's been pleasantly surprised by farmers saying they plan to come back. A grassroots campaign wants to improve the welfare of low-income Vermonters by making them a more powerful voting bloc in this year's election. Kate Cannelstein is with the Vermont Poor People's Campaign. And she says politicians are more likely to address the needs of people living in poverty if they feel pressure at the ballot box to do so. We are organizing poor and low-wage people to change the political landscape because we, poor and low-wage people, we are a sleeping giant with the power to fundamentally change this country. The Poor People's Campaign is launching an effort next month to register low-income Vermonters and mobilize them to vote. Kennelstein says the campaign is focused on issues such as housing, health care, anti-racism, and environmental justice. Vermont's new online sports betting system took in just over $2 million in wages on the Super Bowl. Liquor and Lottery Commissioner Wendy Knight says 35,000 people placed roughly four bets each on the game. 
The average bet was $15. And Knight says the percentage of Vermonters betting on the Super Bowl was far higher than in the first few weeks of operation. So one of the trends is going to be interesting to watch is how much out-of-state players are driving the online sports wagering activity in Vermont. In January, visitors from out-of-state accounted for more than half of all online bets in Vermont. But that number fell to just 24% for the Super Bowl. Knight thinks that many out-of-state bettors didn't travel on Super Bowl weekend and that these percentages will rise again in the coming months. Eight Dartmouth students say they're beginning a hunger strike in response to two students who were arrested in October while protesting in support of Palestinians. Junior Rowan Wade and freshman Kevin Engel face charges of misdemeanor criminal trespassing, that according to the Valley News. The pair sat for several hours in a tent in front of a campus hall in October protesting the college's stance toward the conflict in the Middle East. The hunger strikers are demanding the university drop the charges against Wade and Engel to recognize and protect Palestinian students and to, quote, divest from apartheid in the context of the Israeli government. They're also asking the university to respond to the Dartmouth New Deal, a list of demands assembled by progressive student organizations. Strikers say their protest will continue until all four demands have been addressed by the administration. Coming up, some emergency providers don't have access to adequate mental health care, but advocates are trying to make sure they get all the help they need. That's after this. The Frequency is supported by MVP Healthcare, offering Medicare Advantage plans made for Vermont and guided by doctors, in partnership with the UVM Health Network. Info at uvmhealthadvantage.com. First responders show up at fatal car crashes, house fires, and overdoses in Vermont's largest cities and smallest towns. But the mental health support they receive after a critical event can vary depending on where the department is located. Now advocates want to change that and make sure emergency service providers get the mental health support they need. Vermont Public's Howard Weiss-Tisman has more. I'll get this moved over a little bit for you as soon as I get it locked down. I went for a drive with Royalton Police Chief Loretta Stallnaker to talk about the challenges of providing mental health support for first responders in rural communities. As soon as I arrived, she got a call from someone living near downtown. It wasn't exactly the kind of traumatic event that can lead to long-term mental health issues. So why don't you tell me where we're going? Uh, so we're going to go over to um, over here to North Windsor Street for a parking problem. Parking issues, traffic detail, disputes among neighbors. While a lot of the small-town police work is routine, Stallnaker said there's growing recognition that any police officer, firefighter, or ambulance driver in any town in Vermont can face a situation that requires mental health support. As we drove around Royalton, she told me about a call, an accident on the railroad tracks that still haunts her. We had a, see, it still bothers me, a train incident a couple years ago. Sorry. And the young, the young man didn't see the train come. He's the same age as my children, so sorry about that. But anyway, so it still bothers me. But it's not just the critical calls that can cause burnout and stress. Stolnaker says in small towns, first responders often answer calls at the same home, trying to help neighbors struggling with addiction or domestic abuse. 
you know, and I think the challenges for us as we see people, these recurring people, we see a lot of the same individuals all the time. Um, uh, I mean, it's hard to to know somebody's in pain, um, in harm's way, and not being able to help. It's frustrating to be, for us, not to have resources to help them, not to be able to help them. But it's it's sad and it's for us to, to know that there are people out there that our hands are tied and we just don't have any resources to help them. A few years ago, the legislature set up the Emergency Service Provider Wellness Commission to take a look at whether first responders are receiving mental health support in both large and small communities across the state. Stallnaker, who's been working in law enforcement for almost 30 years, is a member of that commission. The Royalton Police Department has three full-time officers to patrol this Windsor County town of just under 3,000 people. And she says in some small towns, it's the more senior chiefs and administrators that sometimes make it hard to address mental health issues among the officers. While in some of Vermont's larger communities, there are resources and a willingness to talk about mental health. All right. Good to go? Good to go. Let's All jump right. right in. So let's, uh, I'm just going to pass around some handouts here. Uh, on a recent afternoon, a small group of firefighters from the Burlington Fire Department took part in a wellness program. And it's not to sort your behaviors, things that you've done in these kinds of painful situations, and moving you toward who was The Burlington Fire Department has been using insurance incentives to pay for its mental health services. But for the first time this year, the chief is asking for money in the budget to pay for mental health and wellness programs. Burlington Fire Department Captain Mark McDonough says it's a big step toward normalizing the discussion about mental health challenges of first responders. For whatever reason, mental health has always been a taboo subject. But I, I think that as a society, we have started to acknowledge that mental health and mental illness is a spectrum, um, just like your physical health and physical illness and that you can treat it, you can be open about it, um, and be a much healthier person if you do. And while a large department like Burlington Fire can ask its taxpayers to support a wellness program, Stephanie Bush, who's with the Department of Health, says the state's smaller volunteer organizations are largely on their own. You know, smaller organizations whether it's uh, a fire department, an EMS organization, if it's predominantly volunteer, which a lot of our workforce is, for some, e like some EMS agencies, it might just be a couple people that are in leadership and not have a dedicated person or, or any kind of budget to be able to have someone who's focused on thinking about the mental health and wellness and physical wellness of like their volunteers. Bush chairs the Emergency Service Provider Wellness Commission and says the group's been using a federal grant to establish a statewide peer-to-peer -peer support program so an emergency service provider can talk to someone after a critical call, even if that person is part of a small rural department. And the group is also trying to get more clinicians to work with first responders. The federal grant runs out next year, and so Bush says the commission is trying to figure out how to keep its programs going. 
But Bush says even if more money was available, the stigma that's attached with seeking mental health support can be a barrier, especially among emergency service providers. So one of the things I would say in the past around first responders is um, a belief or thought of like, well, you knew you were signing up to go to bad car crashes. So um, like suck it up. Like, you know what you signed up for component. And I think that has, that has led to stigma. That has led to people not wanting to reach out for help, even if they are struggling with something because of that. Vicki Fielding used to work at Northfield Ambulance, and she's lately been volunteering at the Grand Isle Rescue Company. Fielding, who is 35, answered a critical call a few years back that's taking a long time to process. And she says folks her age are more open to talking about mental health. Society in a whole has kind of pushed mental health away. And I think that's changed a lot with the advent of social media. People going, yeah, I'm having a difficult time right now. And people connecting with that and being like, wow, it's okay for me to share with strangers or whatever. And so I think that's really what has changed is that there are a lot more people who are going like, yeah, I have these mental illnesses that, you know, anxiety or um, a fear from a traumatic event that happened in my life or something like that. And people are able to go, yeah, no, I... I can relate to that. I've had something similar. And not exactly, obviously, because everybody's different and unique. But, you know, we can lean on each other. You're, you're stronger together than just alone. For Vermont Public, I'm Howard Weiss-Tisman. Thanks for listening to The Frequency today. We had additional reporting from Lola Dufour, Peter Hirschfeld, Bob Kinzel, Elodie Reed, and Adia Golston. Our executive producer is Kevin Trevelin, and our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Mitch Wertlieb. Talk to you tomorrow. time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.